We now need to hear Governor Rob We really are privileged to have as our Rub because Rabbi Schechter does what is described to all of us as an actual Rub. He takes on the old of the entire camp. Every single staff member, and there are a few girls in this room who are smiling at me now because they know exactly what I mean. Every single camper, anything in halacha, in addition to being a part of what's meant to be the very most elite for this child, for every single camper. There are campers that have wanted to speak to Rabbi Schechter about different parts of their life that are going on that are challenging for them. They wanted to speak to a rub. Kids who come from non-religious backgrounds who have asked to speak to Rabbi Schechter to understand the intricacies of their life, of what's going on. Uh, sometimes kids who are going through a challenging time, why do bad things happen to good people? As simple as that. And sometimes, why am I in this situation? Why do I need to be the one? Some of the children who have to have a leg amputated, who have to be in a wheelchair, whatever it might be. And I will tell you that the care that I've seen, and I've sat in many of those sessions, the care and the time, the warmth and the embrace those cameras and the staff field have resulted in tremendous, tremendous successes and help in those children and those staff members leaving an amazing summer here in camp and going on to lead a better life. And I'm really honored and privileged to be able to introduce Rabbi Shelton. Also get to know his beautiful, beautiful children and his most wonderful wife. You're going to get to know Maniksha, who was a division head here, who was a counselor here, one of the most powerhouses in the most quiet ways that you've ever seen. Good morning, everybody, and welcome. Welcome to the Army of Chesed that is Camp Simcha. For those of you who are here for the first time, it's really a pleasure to have the opportunity to meet you and to spend time together on this most noble endeavor that we're all taking upon ourselves. Nobody here is being paid. And we're all volunteers together, and we're all doing the best work that we can to try to bring simcha to others, to try to bring happiness and encouragement to those who need it so much. Rifki has shared so much with you. Rifki has decades of experience in all of this unbelievable, fantastic work that goes on here. So it's very hard to add anything to what she has already told you, what she has shared with you. I encourage you to take her advice and to really follow her guidance. She has had, as I said, so much experience and whatever difficult situation you might be dealing with, I'm sure she has dealt with in the past. This is nothing new. This is unfortunately a phenomenon that we've seen uh, in our community for a long time. And we just now have the opportunity to do our best to provide for those who are looking for our guidance. So it's a very special privilege uh, to be here. Rifki said that my wife was a counselor and division head. Just be careful. If you're a counselor and plan to be a division head, you may someday end up with someone like me, and I'm sorry. So, uh, Baruch Hashem. I'm really here on my wife's coattails, and it's a schus 
that our family has had to be a part of this amazing, as I said, an army of chesed that all of you uh, put together and are a part of. One of the most fundamental, one of the most foundational expectations uh, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has of all of us is what the Gemara says, the mitzvah v'halachta bedrachav. We're supposed to emulate, we're supposed to model the behavior of HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself. And what exactly does that mean? So the Gemara tells us in two different places, two different things. The Gemara says in Masechas Sota that what it means is, Mahu mal bisharumim, just like we know that HaKadosh Baruch Hu provided clothing for those who didn't have, Mahu mevakar cholim, just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu visits the sick, as we find when Avraham Avinu had a brismila, he wasn't feeling well, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself came. Mahu kover mesim, just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu himself buries Moshe Rabbeinu and didn't hand it off to somebody else, so too we should emulate and model those behaviors and be involved in halbashas harumim, in doing all of those things, kover mesim, nichom avelim, all these wonderful chasadim. Additionally, the Gemara says, a very different line. The Gemara tells us in Masech Shabbos that we should emulate the behavior of HaKadosh Baruch Hu in what way? Mahu rachum v'chanun, afata rachum v'chanun. Just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu is kind, caring, and compassionate, so too we should all strive to be that kind of person. Somebody who is caring, somebody who is generous, somebody who is compassionate, someone who is understanding, someone who is warm-hearted, all of that is part of our mitzvah, the halachta bedrachav. Now, the Gemara is always careful to be precise. Why do we have two different Gemaras that tell us the same lesson? Perhaps the reason why is because you have two different kinds of personalities. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects both of them from all of us. None of us are exempt from either. If we have signed up to come here as a staff member, if we've been accepted as a staff member, it means that we care about the work that we're about to do. This is not made for everyone. There are many people in the world who don't try to get this kind of job that you have. There are many people who do, but there are many who are not interested. It's just not for them. For those of us who are here, it's because we have a focus. It's because we understand what it is that we're about to do. But you have different kinds of personalities. Some people love to do this because they're so emotional. And this pulls at their heartstrings. And I just love having that wonderful feeling. I love being the one who's the caregiver. I love being the one who is providing for others. I love being the one to see the smile in response to what it is that I'm giving. And that's wonderful. It's great. But that's not enough. You have to also proactively do something. There are others who love to do. Let's say you have a member of Hatzalah, a member of a Biker Cholim committee, a member of whatever it might be, the Nicham Avelim. You're doing, you're active, you're engaging. But that's also not enough. While you actively engage, while you do things, the Gemara says you also have to be the kind of person that is Racham Lechanan. And that is what HaKadosh Baruch Hu expects of all of us. This two-pronged approach. To be the one who is Mal Bisharumim, who is Menachem Avelim, who is Kover Meisim, who is there and doing Chesed and actively engaging other people. But in doing so, we need to do it with a heart. We need to do it with compassion. We need to do it with an understanding, with a sensitivity, and it goes in both directions. Some people de-emphasize one or the other, but what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants of all of us is to pay attention to both of those. And this is an opportunity that we have. If you look at the entire context of the Torah itself, you ask yourself, what is the underlying theme of Kala Torah Kula? What exactly is the Torah about? And I would ask you, if you read a book, 
Somebody would come to you after you finished reading the book and say, okay, so what was the book about? It's hard. It's hard to put it in one sentence, in one phrase. What does this book actually represent? Well, obviously the Torah itself, which is so complex and so multifaceted and has so many different parts to it, you would ask yourself, what is the underlying theme of Kala Torah Kula? Says the Gemara, Torah Tchilasa Gemilas Chasadim, Vesofa Gemilas Chasadim. The Torah's bookends are all about Gemilas Chasadim. That is the underpinning of Kala Torah Kula. It starts off with HaKadosh Baruch Hu doing Chesed by creating all of us, by providing us with all that we need. And it ends off with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as we mentioned, doing Chesed with Moshe Rabbeinu. And that, obviously, is to teach us that the underpinning of all of our lives has to be Chesed. This is what it is. This is what a Torah life is all about, to understand, to be there for other people, just as HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who has plenty of other things to be busy with, but yet he makes time and he makes an effort, Kaviyachal, to be busy with us and to pay attention to our needs and to provide us with what we need. And that is the expectation of all of us as well. Now you'll notice throughout life, there are many different variations, many different forms of chesed opportunities that you're going to have. And what I always find extremely unique about this experience here in Camp Simcha is the fact that this really is in many ways a chesed shel emes. Rashi on Chumash tells us what a chesed shel emes really means. Rashi says it means she'eno mitzapeh l'tashlum gemul, that you're not waiting to be paid for it. You're not waiting for any acknowledgement. Obviously, nobody in this room is being paid, and therefore, you're not waiting to be paid monetarily. But it means something far beyond that. We're waiting for nothing at all that is going to be reciprocated to us for what we do. We're waiting not for a symbiotic relationship. We're not waiting, waiting for something that's going to give us just as we give them. I can tell you one of the highlights of my summer every time that I'm here is when we have the debriefing in the end of the summer. The last night, it's not made for me. I sit on the side and I just eavesdrop on your conversations um, because I, I find them extremely meaningful and very powerful to hear the experiences that many of you have had and will have over the next two weeks. But something that I've heard on multiple occasions that troubles me is when staff members get up and say, you know, I, I really just got nothing from my camper. I gave them everything and I got nothing in return. And like they really didn't appreciate what I did. I've had multiple staff members have come to me over the year and shared that sentiment. I'm sorry if that's the experience that you have. Beware of the fact that that can happen. Not every camper that will be on this campus is so cute and smiley and easy and fun-loving. It's just not the experience of every person that's going to be here. You see lots of videos that come out from High Lifeline and you see all kinds of pictures and I'm sure you watched last night the highlight of last summer and all of these great things. What you don't see is all the people that were not on that video and all the people that are maybe not having the easiest time taking care of their camper. They don't always video that. And they don't always highlight the fact that there are campers who really struggle to make it through and to have a comfortable experience here. And you may just well be their counselor. But that's what you signed up to. It's what we all signed up to do. Not to have the cutest camper and fight over how popular our camper is or how popular we are. What we signed up to do is to be here for someone who needs our shoulder, to be here for someone who needs our attention, to be here for someone who can grow from everything we're going to give them. That is what we call a chesed shel emes. It's completely altruistic. It's something that is totally compassionate. 
It's something that goes beyond the normal chasadim that you're going to do in your lives. When there's an understanding of reciprocity, when there's an understanding that I do for you and at some point you do for me, and as a community we all do for each other, that's not what the understanding is here. You expect nothing in return. It's a wonderful bonus if you get something in return, but it's not what we expect. It's just not always the way it is. It's not always going to be easy. And I'm just putting it out there not to give you a downer before we begin, but just to be realistic about what the expectations should and perhaps should not be. I can't say that I do the same work that you do. I don't know how to take care of kids the way all of you in the room are going to prove that you know how to. But I do have a position in a very large kihila, and sometimes it becomes very complicated and very difficult to deal with people. They're not always as easy as you would like them to be. They're not always as forgiving as you would want them to be. They're not always as understanding as you would want them to be. It's very demanding to be on call all the time. But I daven every day, every single day. I say the words of David HaMelech, Ach chesed kol I would much rather be on this end. I will always choose to be the provider. If I was given a choice, and we're not always given the choice, but I thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu every single day for giving me the opportunity to be on the giving end. For being on this side of the equation to be the one who has been chosen and all of us can say this. To ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu Every day of my life I should have the opportunity to be the giver. And sometimes it's going to be frustrating and sometimes it's hard and sometimes people don't appreciate it. And sometimes I get no recognition. And sometimes I go as an undervalued member of the community. But yet I have the opportunity to be that person who's in the giving side of the equation. And how grateful I am for that privilege. I feel ashrenu, how lucky we all are to have that privilege. And we ask HaKadosh Baruch that we should continue throughout our lives to be in that position. And to always have that possibility of being the one to be the giver and the provider for others in so many different contexts in our lives. Just a few weeks ago in the Parsha, we read about Moshe Rabbeinu had a halo. Moshe Rabbeinu had a glow on his face. In fact, he wasn't even aware of it. Moshe lo yada ki karan or panav. Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't even aware of the fact that his face was shining. You know, sometimes you go in a context of a community, and I would say that this is our community for now, And you see there are certain people who are glowing. There are certain people whose face shine. And it's not because they're great tzaddikim or tzaddikanios. There's just something about them that's extra special. Moshe Rabbeinu wasn't even aware of the fact that there was a shine on his face. That there was something very unique about his personality. And the Medrash wonders, How did Moshe Rabbeinu get this shine? Where did it come from? Is it because he was the greatest Navi? Is it because he was the greatest Hamad Chacham? Is it because he spent his whole life giving to the Jewish people? And the Medrash gives us a very strange, cryptic answer to understand where Moshe Rabbeinu got this from. Writes the Medrash that Moshe Rabbeinu, as we know, went up to Shamayim to accept the Luchos. And on that occasion, says the Medrash, you looked at the Luchos and they were made of six Tvachim. They were configured from six Tvachim. What was the breakdown of the six Tvachim? Says the Medrash, the top two Tvachim were held by the hands of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
The bottom two Tvachim were held by the hands of Moshe Rabbeinu. And then there were two Tvachim somewhere in the middle. And from there, from that middle space, is where Moshe Rabbeinu got the Karnehot. You understand? Makes sense, right? Not really. For anyone who understood, please, come and share with us your understanding. But what does it mean? Moshe Rabbeinu is holding on to the bottom of the Luchos. HaKadosh Baruch is holding on to the top. And somewhere in the middle is where he got the Karnei Hod. I once saw an amazing interpretation. Life can really be broken down into three categories. There is the unattainable, that which is in the realm of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There is the already attained, that which is already in my tutfachim, in my grasp. And then there's somewhere in the middle, which is the not yet attained. Those are the three categories of all of our lives. You're going to be here in camp and you're going to encounter experiences that are so beyond our understanding. You explain to me in any reasonable terms how it's possible that we're about to greet 120 sick children, pure, angelic children, who have done nothing in their lives to deserve this kind of illness that they are struggling with. Look at them. It's impossible they've ever done anything in their lifetime that can deserve this. It's the ultimate question of Tzadik Viralo, which we're actually going to be engaging every minute of the day for the next 10 days. You're going to have these questions. I've spoken to the medical staff here who work in hospitals and clinics all over the world. They have these questions when they see their patients during the year. How could HaKadosh Baruch Hu not give us the cure for cancer? How could the Rebona Shalom allow people to be so sick? Last night there was an activity where some of you had the opportunity to put yourselves in some way for a short period of time into the life experience of some of those who are going to be here on this campus to feel what it's like to walk around with very heavy legs, with no muscle tone, to feel what it's like to have to be fed, to have to go around in a wheelchair, to have your fingers unable to be used and people have to help you do anything, not to be able to grasp anything with your own hands. You ask yourself, why would HaKadosh Baruch Hu do any of this? What kind of world is this? You say HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a kel racham lechanun, the Ribbon Shalom loves his children. HaKadosh Baruch Hu looks after everyone. How can this be? You're going to encounter parts of our world that are beyond our ability to grasp, beyond our understanding. That's the two tfachim in the realm of HaKadosh Baruch It's not made for us to understand. And you're going to ask these questions, and trust me, your campers are struggling with these questions. Don't try to give them the answers and sound like a fool. You're no greater than Moshe Rabbeinu, who didn't have answers either. Discuss it with them. Send them to Mrs. Kaufman. Have a conversation. There are conversations to be had. I'm happy to talk to anyone. But don't think you're going to wrap your head around it and make sense of it. It's the unattainable. It's the two tfachim in the hands of the Ribbona Shalom that are not made for us to understand. There are other people who spend all of life thinking about and bragging about 
all that they have already attained, all that they have accomplished. You ever met somebody who's busy talking about, I'm on the board of this, and I built this school, and I was involved in this community activity, and all the wonderful things that they did throughout their lives, and you ask yourself, okay, that was like 20 years ago. What have you done since then? All you've done since then is talk about all those things. But you're still alive. HaKadosh Baruch who gave you another day of life, it means he has something in mind for you to do. What have you done? What do you have to show for it? Our lives are not supposed to be just thinking about all that we've already accumulated, all that we have already attained, that which is in the two tefachim of our own grasp of Moshe Rabbeinu. You know when you shine? You know when you have a karne hod like Moshe Rabbeinu? You know those people who you look at them and you just see a certain chen and you see something really special about them? It's from those two tefachim in the middle. It's the person who knows how to push themselves beyond what they have already done, knowing the appropriate boundary between what they can attain and what's not in the realm of their possibilities in life. That's what's going to make all of you shine, to push yourselves. We all work hard. We're exhausted. Some of us are probably going to be going on so much sleep deprivation, we're not going to know where to put ourselves, and we're going to have extra coffees, and we're going to do extra things. I can tell you from my years of being here, I've seen counselors doing things. I don't think normal parents would do this for their children. Mrs. Kaufman, am I right? I don't think parents do these things for their kids. I, I remember fondly, there was a counselor here. I should say her name, I just don't want to embarrass her. She's not here, she's married. You should all move on, Amir Tzashem, and be in the same position she's in. She's happily married. Yes, Amen, louder. But I remember she had a camper who was here who was at a very end stage of her diagnosis. Two days after camp, this camper passed away. I don't know if you have passed Sophie's garden in the front. Sophie was a beautiful young camper who was here. I know you're all sad to hear that. Let me give you the other perspective. She only stayed alive the extra seven months that she did because of Camp Simcha, and I have absolutely no doubt that that is true. It has happened before. We've seen it. No, Khani? We've seen it. I have no doubt in the world that she stayed alive because of the staff members at Camp Simcha. And when I watched them wheel her around the campus and she had no appetite to eat and she was so frail and so weak and I would watch her counselor walk around with the only thing she could eat was Cheerios with milk, but it had to be so soaked with milk because it had to be so soft she couldn't really chew anything anymore. Her counselor would walk around the entire day wheeling her wheelchair with oxygen coming out with a little bowl of cereal with a bottle of milk at all times with a little spoon all day long feeding her one little Cheerio with milk at a time. 24 hours a day. Sophie didn't sleep at night because of how much pain she was in. Sophie could not do regular activities. What this counselor did was gave this girl an extra seven months of life. It's baduk umenusa. It's clear, and there's no doubt about it, and she is not the only one. There were many others over the years, and we can say the same stories about it, and you have the opportunity to do that. But it's pushing yourself beyond the limits. It's doing what her own parents would never have done for her. Again, of course, parents love their children. But there's a limit to how much parents can do. What we've seen staff members do here 
over the course of their time taking care of their campers is so inspiring. But that's where your shine comes from. That's where you realize how much of a capacity you have to give to other people. That's where Moshe Rabbeinu got his karne hod from going beyond what he had already done. And it doesn't matter if you've been here before and you've been a very popular and successful counselor, a very popular, successful staff member. There's more to do. It's a new summer with a new camper, with a new staff, with new people. And there's more to do. And from that extra, from that more, is where we can all get our karne hod, where we can get our very special glow. There's a mushal that's told in the folklore, I guess. I don't know where it comes from. But there's a story that's told about a young child who's sitting at night, Pesach night, with his grandfather, and he's listening to the story of Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. And his grandfather is telling him with such fascination about all of the different makos and all the different things that happen on the occasion of Kriyas Yamsuf. And it's so amazing. And the child turns to his grandfather and he says, you know, this really is fantastic. It is overwhelming to listen to all of this, but I just have one question. Why are you so impressed with HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he split the Yamsuf? After all, isn't he the one who created it? So that was the miracle. What's the big deal? If you created it, you can also take it apart. So the grandfather turns to his grandson and he tells him the following. He says, you know, there was an artist who decided he wanted to make some piece of art that was going to outlive him. He knew he wasn't going to live forever. So he decided he's going to work on something, give all his focus and energy and attention on making this most beautiful piece of art. And he makes a beautiful horse, and he's working, chiseling away at it, and finally it's finished, and he turns to his family and he asks them, so what should I do? How should I get the highest bidder to put money down on this piece of art? And they all told him, go to a very busy street, go to the middle of Times Square in the middle of Manhattan, and just leave it in the middle of the street. People are going to start walking by. They're going to be amazed by what they see. They're going to start talking to each other. You'll stand off on the side. You'll listen. You'll guide the conversation. People are going to start fighting. They want to buy it. They want to take it. And you'll get the highest bidder. It's the best way to do it. So he goes the next day, leaves it in the middle of the town square, stands there the whole day. Nobody's watching. Nobody even bothers to look. And he can't understand it. Do they not know how hard I worked on this? Do they not know how much energy and effort and attention I put into every last detail? How come nobody even pays attention? Not for a moment. Somebody tells him, you know, they're all busy at work. That's why they're all worrying about their meetings. They're worrying about what they have to do. Stick around till the end of the day when they're all going home. And he does. And he sees as everybody's leaving their offices and everybody walks right by, nobody pays an ounce of attention. Comes home that night, he's devastated. And his wife tells him, don't be upset. Let me tell you what's wrong. The problem is, you're too good of an artist. You did too good of a job. And nobody has any interest in looking at a horse. A horse is not so exciting. We've all seen a horse before. So he says, what's the alternative? I should make something that doesn't look real? That I'm not a good artist? If I make it look too real, nobody wants to look at it. The suggestion they gave him was, Take the horse that you've made, split it in half, and go bring both of those halves to the same place that you were yesterday. And when everybody sees it, they're going to have a double take. It looks real, but it can't be real. If it was real, how would it be split in half? A horse can't live that way. A horse can't survive. And only then are they going to have the ability to appreciate the incredible art that was there all along. 
HaKadosh Baruch Hu created a world. It's magnificent. It's beautiful. Says the Navi. Look around and see. Is there anyone else who could have possibly created this amazing, fantastic, incredible world that we live in? With all the intricacies of our bodies that work flawlessly, but we don't appreciate it because it just seems natural to us. Sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu has to split the Yamsuf to make people appreciate the Yam that was always there all along. And it's only upon the occasion of Kriyas Yamsuf that we look back and say, wow, HaKadosh Baruch Hu created that ocean in the first place. And I should have always appreciated what it was, but I couldn't because it was just a fact of life. That is the context that I always have when I come here. We're blessed to have healthy lives, to have productive lives, to have lives where we, of course, all have challenges. There's nobody who lives life without some kind of challenge. But we certainly don't have the challenges that these campers are going to exhibit when we meet them today. We don't have those challenges. And when you see, do you know, I'm sure you heard from the staff that works in the kitchen. Do you know how many different variations of meals are made here on the campus every single day? Last time I checked, which was about two years ago, I think it was 16 different variations of meals in Camp Simple Special. Why? Well, we don't want anyone to feel bad. So we want to make the same looking chicken for everybody and the same looking hamburger for every single camper who's here. But what you don't know is that this camper has a glucose deficiency and that one has a problem with having too much salt. And this one has a problem and an allergy to this. And this one has an imbalance because of the medication they're on. 16 different variations. You didn't even know that there were 16 variations of body types or insides that are going on inside of all of us. These are realities of life that we're not even aware of. And we only become aware of them when unfortunately somebody loses their ability to have the proper balance that we, Baruch Hashem, have created. You have people who struggle in life with different health issues. And it's only then that they look back and they start to realize how blessed they were that all the systems were working, that everything worked in tandem, that they were able to be productive and successful with a healthy body. It's not a given. It's not a given. And to watch almost the Kriyas Yamsuf that HaKadosh Baruch Hu unfortunately has made in the lives of all these children that are here, to watch how he has taken their lives and for many of them, very shockingly, out of nowhere, a diagnosis that has shattered their lives, that has brought them to a place where they never thought they would be, going from playgrounds to now being in hospitals at all times, coming out of school because they simply don't have enough energy to be there. The opportunity we have is to reflect on that for ourselves and realize how blessed, how lucky we are to have the bodies that HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us that work well, that have function, that have the ability to have the proper balance and the right different things that are going on. I know that you have a very busy day and a lot more to talk about, a lot more to do. I don't know my quota of time. Rifki told me a half an hour, but I, I, I don't think anyone's interested in a half hour of talking, so I'm going to respectfully disagree with you. Let me just close. You're really engaging in the next 10 days with Ba'alei Nisayon, with people who are really challenged. 
Nobody wants to be chosen as a Baal Nisayon. Nobody asks for this. Nobody is prepared for it. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu chooses, for whatever reason it is. There are some people who have tremendous challenge. Some people who have tremendous difficulty. Realize the privilege that you have to be the one to take care of a Baal Nisayon. Realize the privilege that you have to take care of the person that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has singled out for whatever reason. Dodi Yara Lagano Lilkot Shoshanim. HaKadosh Baruch Hu goes down into the world and picks certain people who are roses, who are flowers. What the tachlis of that is, we don't know. But we know what our tachlis is. Our tachlis is to give them the greatest amount of support and encouragement and love and sensitivity that we possibly can. Sometimes that means being very proactive. Sometimes that means actually doing nothing and just sitting around and listening to them and allowing them to share and allowing them to speak freely. When they're at home and in their own environment, they feel very self-conscious. They feel very uncomfortable with the position that they're in. They don't have hair. They look different than many of their friends. But when they're here, they feel at home. They feel very comfortable. And it's our job to be there to support and encourage and love them. This experience is one that is laden with so much opportunity for personal growth. And I hope that we try just to take a few moments every day to realize the opportunities that we have. Because if we don't actively try to think about it, we can go by the whole experience and gain nothing personally from it. We can just go by and have a great time, which is great. You should all have a great time. But use it as an opportunity for growth for yourselves. Use it as an opportunity to realize how great your life is, how lucky and blessed you are to be the person who you are, and how much you can grow from this wonderful, magnanimous experience of giving, of being charitable, of being thoughtful, of being generous and sensitive. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu should be here with us. And without the Siyata Deshmaya that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us, this camp should not run. It doesn't make any sense. We take in campers that are so sick. Hospitals advise us not to take them, but we take them anyway because we have an amazing medical staff. I don't know how much you're going to interact with them. They are absolutely amazing. They do a phenomenal job. They take tremendous personal risk in coming here in admitting the children that they do. This is not fun for them. It's not going to advance their careers. They're not doing this to get rich. They're doing it simply because they want to give the greatest opportunities that they can to these children, even at a tremendous personal risk to themselves and to their medical careers and professions moving forward. We're here to be a part of their team. We're here to be a part of everything that they do. But we need HaKadosh Baruch Hu to help us. We need HaKadosh Baruch Hu to be here for us. And that is why when we ask the Siyata Deshmaya of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we also pledge that we are going to do everything we can to make sure that we run this camp Alpi Halacha. Shabbos is going to be a very complicated thing for many of you. I'm sure there are many in the room who have never engaged a chole on Shabbos before. This may be a very jarring experience for you. You're going to have to do things you never imagined doing, but there are ways to do it properly. There are ways to do it within the spirit of Shabbos. So we're going to have to discuss that. Amir Sashem, we're going to have opportunities to do so. Until then, I wish everyone a tremendous summer. Take the most of this most special opportunity that you've been given. Make the most of it. Give the most to it. 
And I wish you all tremendous, tremendous hatzlacha as you go through this incredible journey.